following discussion is for educational purposes only and is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. Please do not apply any of this information without first speaking with your doctor. What is up, everyone, and welcome to the Diabetes Podcast, where we discuss how to take control of your health and gain the freedom to live the life that you deserve. I'm Gary Pano, and with me is my co-host, Dr. Grady Donahoe, who is a board-certified chiropractic internist. this episode, we speak with Connor and his parents Elizabeth and Brian, who live in the St. Louis area. Now Connor is a 12-year-old diabetes who has been diagnosed at the age of 4 and has been living with type 1 diabetes for over 8 years. But when a child is diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, or anyone is diagnosed with type 1 diabetes for that matter, it will not only change their life, but their entire family's life. Now, that can be a scary statement, but in the midst of that adversity, it allows that person and their family to develop a potential strength that can radiate into the rest of their lives. Both Connor and his family have such an amazing outlook at life despite their challenges. And it really gives a good insight as to what a parent goes through as well as what a child goes through when this diagnosis is given. Now, this episode and conversation warmed the heart of both Dr. Grady and I for a lot of reasons, and we hope you enjoy it just as much as we did. Now with that, let's dive into the episode. Hey, Die Buddies, we're back. And today we have uh, some great guests with us today. We have the Cash family with us. We have uh, Brian, Connor, and Elizabeth. And today they're going to share their story and share a lot of insight. Um, and hopefully they can share a lot of their experience so that you can learn from it and um, have a better better life as a result. So, um, so welcome, and we're glad to have you. Thanks so much for having us. We appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, to start off, just kind of take us through your story and your diabetic journey. And um, we kind of want to hear from both aspects, both from Connor and from the parents, because I know it was a, he was pretty young when he was diagnosed. Um, so it's, it'd be interesting to hear about the two, the two sides of that whole experience. So Connor was uh, four years old and uh, I grew up with a T1D sister. Okay. So I, recognized a couple of the signs. Uh, and uh, when we were right, it was about a week before Thanksgiving. And uh, I had left Connor with my dad while I went Christmas shopping with my mom and my sister. And when we got back, my dad said, um, you know, Connor went through three sippy cups of water while you guys were gone. We were only gone a couple hours. And I was like, I know, I've been noticing that too. I mean, he's getting crazy with the water. And he said, you don't think. And I was like, no, 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 no. So anyway, um, my sister, who's a T1D, brought it up to me as well. And she said, uh, how about this? You guys are coming over early on Thanksgiving morning because we have this whole ritual where we spend the whole day with the family. And uh, she said, I'll bring my um, meter and we'll check his blood sugar first thing before he has breakfast. And I said, okay, we'll do that. So totally forgot, you know, about the whole thing. We got up <laughs> that morning, Thanksgiving. It was a weird morning, right? I mean... Connor, I know this is one of the symptoms, and I'm not trying to embarrass you, but, uh, you know, he's four years old, had been completely potty trained for years, and he had wet the bed. Mm, and I yep. was like, like, buddy, what's going on? 
And I was like, you know, this is not the day we are in a rush. You know, was, <laughs> like I couldn't figure it out. I was like, is he upset about something? Did he have a nightmare? And he was like, huh, I did. I mean, he was just completely oblivious to it. So, you know, stripped the bed, you know, got everybody dressed, got in the car, racing down there again. We're a little bit late. And I remember we got in the front door and my sister was like, oh, let's check Connor's number. And I was like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about that. So she pulled him in the family room and she checked his number and it was 400 and something. Oh, wow. And she yeah. was like, wow. and Julie, uh, my sister burst into tears and I was like, no, 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 no. And, and my dad's like, come on. He was like, something's wrong with your meter. He said, let's all check our numbers. So we all went around the table. And checked <laughs> yeah. And it was like, you know, nineties and. I was like, oh, this is not good. So we, um, I said, what am I supposed to do? And they said, call the pediatrician, of course. Oh, and it's Thanksgiving morning in case I didn't mention that. Yeah. So, oh, you know, man. Yeah. All in the health Stress line. is high. Right. <laughs> and um, so they, uh, they said, you need to grab him and just go straight to the ER. And I was like, no, that can't be right. And, um, and I think the whole time, Brian, you were kind of like, you're like, no. I was the typical it. guy, like, oh, he's fine. Rub some dirt on him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's not drinking that much water. He had a salty meal or something. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm. And of course, now Connor's like getting real mad at us because not only did we prick his finger, but we're all freaking out. And he is not getting breakfast. Hi. <laughs> Like it was like a six or something, and I'm just a four year old, and that hurt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah. Most out of that day was what he did. So, anyway, we went to the ER and they took us in right away and they checked his blood sugar there. And um, as soon as they did, I just I remember the nurse's face and I said to her, I said, Could it be anything else? And she looked at me and she said, No, sweetheart. And I was like, Oh, so, and right away, the uh, endo that was on staff came down and met with us, like literally within a half hour. Yes. I mean, and they took him in and admitted him and, and we started our journey. Yeah. Wow. Wow. What an ironic holiday of all the holidays yeah. to be diagnosed right. on. I know. <laughs> right. And I, and I think Dr. Grady, I think you guys, you and Connor share a diversary. I think you're also November 24th. Yep. Yep, that's Are right. Mm -hmm. oh, wow. Yeah, so we're big about celebrating his diversity because we feel like we're not going to let it be a negative thing. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Well, one other aspect of that is so, you know, when a T1D juvenile is diagnosed, they admit the child for 48 or 72 hours. I forget the time period. And it's not necessarily because the child is so sick. Mm -hmm. It's because the parents now have to get adapted to trained, trained on Educated, how yeah. to care for the T1D now in their care. So mm -hmm. again, it's more to uh, for the parents' sake rather than for the child's sake. Mm -hmm. So with that, he was put in the pediatric wing at the hospital. And on day two of his stay there, again, as a four-year-old, we took him down to the playroom. And uh, mm -hmm. so he got to play with the toys and the blocks and things like that. And, and there we was were, another. And I was just going to say, we were feeling really miserable and really sad and really down on ourselves and like, why us and why him? And, and then we go yeah, to the really playroom. Yeah, really feeling sorry for ourselves. And then there was another child that came in about his age mm -hmm. on an IV 
with uh, complete hair loss, so was going through some type of cancer therapy. Mm, yeah. And so all of a sudden, it, it was like a light bulb went on for Elizabeth and I, like, oh my gosh, this could be so much worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we, we can take care of this. Yeah, I think, yeah, that was definitely, for, for Dad and I, that was like our, all right, yeah. Well, it flipped the switch. It did, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we started feeling sorry for ourselves and we, we started figuring out what we could do. Yeah. Yeah, that's that puts it in a you know major perspective of yeah it could be it could be a lot worse um, and I love the aspect that you guys celebrate the diversity because it just reinforces the fact that hey this isn't gonna stop us this isn't you know life ending or or anything like that um, it's something that can be positive so that's awesome yeah, yeah. absolutely so Connor what do you remember about that whole week of the diagnosis i remember being woken up on thanksgiving day and i don't really remember wetting the bed or being told about it so we drove to donuts and they stuck my finger and i was like why did you give this to me i don't want this take it back that was myself and his aunt had given him type one because we checked his number (laughs) (laughs) i wouldn't have this if you hadn't done that and we were like oh very much for like a year it was like cause and effect yeah um, (laughs) (laughs) yes not the other way around yeah Yeah. (laughs) like i want to say it was the second night i pulled out my iv drip thing for my arm in the, in the middle of the night and I bled all over the sheets and mom um she woke up she called the nurses and we got a new IV and that was great <laughs> <laughs> and the next morning they had this like prize bucket thing if mm-hmm. we do our treatment well and I was into stuffed animals as a four-year-old and they had this slither toy I picked him out and he he's still in my room right now <laughs> <laughs> sure yeah. They were really cool about it. every time he would check his number or take a shot without, you know, complaint or something, they'd give him a toy or a prize or something. And for him, that was huge. He was like, well, yeah, bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> Being like, I know this isn't going to continue at home, but you might want to make a video. It's like, oh, really? I don't have a prize box at home. <laughs> yeah. He got the idea. He associated, they were really good about associating it with the positive or trying to at least, or trying yeah. to destroy. And the hospital staff, they were all just complete pros. So it was really yeah. nice to be, you know, novice parents and a novice patient going through this mm-hmm. to really be shepherded by people that really had great experience in this area and could really kind of take care of us and show us the way and give us good helping hands, uh, connect us with the JDRF and ADA and uh, all types of support services. So it was wonderful to get those uh, really expert advice to help kind of lead us down the journey. Yeah. yeah, that is good. Um, uh, so take us through kind of that whole learning process and maybe, um, I, I guess like, um, what were you thinking and, um, maybe what were the big takeaways from that day? Um, I know at least for my parents, like having to learn how to stick me with a needle was, you know, kind of a tough deal, um, and probably sticks out in their mind. But, um, uh, what about you guys? What kind of sticks out in your mind? For me, I, for me, it wasn't so much the needles. I was okay with that. Now, what's weird is my mother, who raised a type one, still won't do shots for anyone. Oh, really? For you, wow. yeah. She still to this day is freaked out by needles. But the thing for me, at least, that sticks out the most was um, 
how different the therapy is now compared to when I was growing up with my sister. Mm. And I remember I kept like, not challenging, but I kept like asking the same question to the diabetic educator. I was like, what do you mean, you know, we, he can do this? Or what do you mean he can do it? Because it was like, it was so, because when my sister was growing up, the idea was you didn't count carbs. You gave a set dosage and you expected them to eat within that dosage. So mm. say she got, you know, four units of insulin for lunch. She was expected to eat four units worth of food, but you don't really know what that is if you don't know you're supposed to count carbs. So they would say, yeah. you know, have protein and two starches, but you know, a starch was like considered bread, but it didn't count like bananas, for example. Oh yeah. yeah. And carbs, but they're good for you, but you know, they're high in carbs. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think she really struggled with that. And then the whole idea of, uh, you know, birthday parties and, you know, it was the whole idea of just trying to cut out sugar, you know, not manage it or, or dose for it, but just don't have it. Um, so it was a completely different mindset. So when this diabetic, diabetic educator was telling us, you know, when he goes to a birthday party, you give him more insulin. And I was like, what do you mean? It was like mind blowing to me. And I just remember sitting there because I was like, because literally when you were diagnosed, you had three birthday parties coming up within like two That's weeks. Right. And remember you had, eight. yeah, it, it, it was uh, like your cousin and, and Lila Sherman. And, but anyway, it was like, you know, it was all these people. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have to cancel all these birthday parties. It was like so mind blowing to have somebody tell me, no, you don't have to cancel the birthday party. You just have to make sure you're paying attention and, you know, watch his number and give him insulin and, you know, count your carbs. And so that for me was the biggest, like, aha moment, I guess. Yeah. I remember talking with Elizabeth about that, that it was a big aha moment that it's almost like, if you almost think of it like an accounting ledger, that if there's more on one side, you have to account for it with more insulin on the other side, mm -hmm. that you have to stay within a uh, a range. I mean, I think it was very eye-opening and uh, and a positive for us to see. You know, he really can as a T1D eat anything, go to mm -hmm. birthday parties, enjoy it. Uh, you just have to plan for it and account for it with more insulin, uh, exercise, what have you. So it's. Uh, I, I think that was a big eye-opener than the therapies that your sister went through. You know, yeah. Thirty plus year now yeah. T1D. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that brings up another question, um, that comes to mind, which is like, how hard was it learning how to count carbs, especially when it was not necessarily for you, but for Connor? Um, I think you initially, when you, or at least for us, I think the whole idea was like, well, should we be doing lower carb foods, you know, to make it easier for counting or should we be, you know, so, um, so for us, it was kind of like, how do we best structure this? And then again, I think, you know, into the, into his diagnosis, we realized, you know, he's four years old. He needs to have carbs. He needs to have, I mean, not that we ever did low carb or anything with him, but, um, you know, he's a kid and, and he's expect, and he ate really healthy back then anyway, before he was diagnosed. But, um, we just kept trying to make sure we were at least hitting every major food group, no matter what the carb was, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, so the car counting for us, I don't think it was that, I don't, I don't know. I don't think, I should back up. I mean, I'm anal retentive on a good day for um, <laughs> my background. No, because I have a biology degree. And then um, and when I used to work, I used to like analyze graphs and tables for a living. So I okay. literally 
I would be like writing out his carbs and be like, now we gave him this yesterday and this is the dosage that we gave, but he actually went a little bit high. So like I would, from the beginning, we would be like tweaking a little here, a little there, you know, playing with things, um, you know, but um, I don't know, the carb counting for me wasn't, was it horrible? I mean, I don't know. What do you think, Brian? It, it took some getting used to. We actually bought two copies of this book, The Calorie King, uh, yes. Fat Carbohydrate Counter. Mm -hmm. So we left one at home and one went with us in the car. Okay, yeah. It became our Bible that mm -hmm. whenever we were out at a restaurant or at you know, a friend's house or a relative's house and we were trying to feed something, so that book just really became our, our Bible for you know, learning how many carbs are in a serving of grapes or watermelon or French fries or whatever mm -hmm. the food might be. So that really helped. And as you, um, you kind of, you know, things are moving online now with, with apps and with um, websites and things like that. But that book was a real lifesaver for us mm -hmm. um, when he was first diagnosed. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how much information is in that little book because they did the same thing for me as well. And uh, yeah, it became a Bible. And, and it's like you, so every fast food or every kind of food mm -hmm. you can think of is literally in there. So, um, so yeah. I think that's maybe a standard of care that those diabetes educators all use throughout the country. But um, yeah. so, so Connor, for that, you know, first year transitioning for you, how did it feel trying to think about the food and insulin in, in that way when you first were transitioning to to this new lifestyle I was four so I didn't care about what I ate so <laughs> I would just like <laughs> be like hey mom I'm eating this and she'd be like hold on hold on let me carb count let me, let me look at that <laughs> yeah <laughs> he could eat whatever he wanted he just had to let us know what the carb count was ah uh, yes because again, growing up with my sister and how restrictive it had been, I knew that um, it would be more beneficial if we had let him, you know, kind of like guide. And again, he's like a healthy, he likes fruit and, you know, thing. so it wasn't, it wasn't like he was constantly in the pantry, like, I picked out Lay's potato chips and Oreos for lunch today, mom, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but I think the only, the, tell me if I'm wrong, but the only thing I can think of as far as food goes is remember when, because you were in preschool and remember we had to bring and separate snacks for you right. if the snack that was brought in was over Cheetos. Yeah. Because yeah. we didn't, uh, in preschool, we didn't expect the part-time nurse or the teacher to be dosing him. And he was mm. only there for three hours a day. Okay. So, so it was like lunch buddies or whatever they call Yeah. Them. So we said, you know, as long as it's under 15 carbs, he can have it, no dosing needed. Um, but if it was over 15, we provided like a different snack. So there'd be sometimes where he'd come home and be like, "Ugh, I'm so mad. I didn't get the nutter butters that they had, you know, or something like that. And I'd yeah. be like, sorry, buddy. We'll get you some this weekend. You know, I did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of being so young, you know, when you're four years old in preschool, did uh, it just things just kind of came to you and you just kind of went with the flow? Would you kind of say that and, and, uh, Brian and, and Elizabeth, would you see it? Observing it, how did how did it seem like Brian dealt with everything? Or, I mean, Connor, I'm sorry. Yeah, there would be sometimes in preschool and I would go to see the nurse and I thought she was pretty, so I would just go and like talk to her. <laughs> he would fake being low. He tells me this years later. He goes, I knew I was but I was kind of bored and I'd be like, I think I need to go check my number. And they kept his meter, you know, at the nurse's office. So he'd walk up there and check and she'd be like, well, honey, you're fine. He'd be like, really? Okay. And I was like, That's adorable. That is <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> 
little player over there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I got to say that um, once he moved from preschool to kindergarten the next year, um, we were very, very blessed on a number of accounts. First with his school nurse who had, I think when you entered kindergarten, you were the fifth diabetic in the school. Uh, And so she had years of history um, uh, working with and uh, treating type ones, which was wonderful. And then the other thing that we got so lucky on was we found out as an incoming kindergartner that there was another type one, a little boy, and they were going to put him in class together. And so other than preschool, Connor's never been the only type one at school, which I think has been just amazing because he sees, you know, another child, but also the other kids just think it's normal. Does yeah, that make sense? that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Because I hear from my sister a lot, you know, she was the only one in the entire school and, you know, she was ostracized or they would give her weird looks. And for Connor, he was always like, whatever. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we became friends with the other boys' parents. And so we kind of had a uh, agreement with them that, you know, could we, and, and the school knew that they were both T1Ds as well. And, you know, we weren't necessarily partial to which teacher they always got, but could they be in class together? Uh, and all yeah. parties were fine with that. Us, the other boys, parents in the school, they all felt, felt that that was best. Mm-hmm. And the great thing for Connor was then, you know, both boys had a buddy to walk to the nurse's office with when it was time to mm-hmm. check their blood yeah. Yeah, and they both could understand like, oh yeah, this is, you know, serious, but at the same time they knew what to do so they wouldn't panic or something like that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they were they would be really funny like comparing technologies and stuff, like yeah. After I had like a pump and stuff and I was like, and, like hey, Yeah, oh I had a pump head. before yeah. You. yeah, but you got a CGM first. And, yeah. I mean it was just like a friendly, yeah, it was like a friendly thing, it wasn't yeah. <laughs> Now, with Connor being so young um, when he was diagnosed, was it hard to, uh, or was it hard for him to convey like how he felt sometimes, or um, or hard for you to understand maybe what you should do at at certain times? Yeah, there, I remember there was one time when I was going into my parents' bedroom. I was kind of low and I wasn't really looking where I was going, and it was like the middle of the night, so it's dark. So I was walking and I just kept walking straight, and I thought I didn't enter my parents' room yet, and I already did. And I walked right into the dresser and they made the loudest noise. Uh, it was a dead run into the dresser. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of want to say you fell over, and we were like, What is going on? And you were like, I think I'm low. And we were like, You think? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he, but Connor's always been really good. He's always been hypo aware. He's always known when he was low and you used to have different words that described it. Remember when you were little and you would say, I'm shaky or I'm, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so he's always known, right B? Yes. Like, I mean, absolutely. that's always. Yeah, he's been way more in tune with his lows. Uh, he, he can't distinguish his highs quite as well, but, but definitely he can his lows. Yeah, and I think that's been a, a huge saver, especially before CGMs and all that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was very helpful. Yeah, so uh, yeah, let's go through kind of your journey as far as how you managed um, your diabetes with, you know, obviously first you started off with injections and then moving to pins and, and experimenting with pumps and CGMs. Um, so talk a little bit about that. So Khan uh, started off with pens, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so they got to see what we were giving. Yeah. But also yeah. having like the little nano needles, oh, right. Yeah, Cause nice. yeah. Cause you really like those. Um, 
And personally, I felt like we had a really good system worked out with pens. And I was like, we don't ever need a pump. This is fine. <laughs> 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 kind of pretty early on, especially with, um, you know, he's been attending Camp EDI ever since he was seven years old. So um, with going to camp and with having his die buddy at school who was on a pump, Connor would be like, I want a pump, I want a pump, I want a pump. And I was like, well, what is it? You know, what's it going to do? You know, why would it be different? He was like, I don't know. I just want to pump. And we're like, okay, right. <laughs> so we bought time with the CGL, but finally got to the point where he was like, mom, I really, really want it. And it made me nervous because I felt like I knew what I was doing with the pens. So I promised him that before middle school, we would get him on a pump. And so it, it was a year ago. It was like last April. Yeah, we, we got the pump yeah. in and we got him up and running on it. And he's loved it. I mean, I think you've loved it, right? Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, but, and it's completely different. I mean, I, when I talk to people who are moving from pens to pumps, I try to tell them, you know, give yourself some time to adjust, not just like your basils, you know, and, but like actually like adjusting learning how to use the pump. Like we had no idea how to like do the egg carbs feature on the T-Slim. <laughs> so that's fun. But like just, <laughs> but like going from Lantus, you know, to uh, fast acting or yeah, fast acting insulin, you know, for everything. Okay. It's, it, it, it was a, it was a big learning curve and, and it was a lot of adjustments and stuff like that. But then once we got up and running, we were fine. So, yeah. So, uh, Connor adopted the, not to make this a infomercial, but the, uh, Dexcom CGM much sooner than the pump. So okay. we were able to effectively, since we were very comfortable doing multiple daily injections with the pens, we were able to kind of buy ourselves some time with technology by getting the CGM. Mm -hmm. So Connor, you know, had a device felt like, you know, Hey, I can um, so stay toe to toe <laughs> with, uh, with my buddy who's on his pump. Uh, but that was really a game changer for us going to yes. the Dexcom yes. because we didn't really realize, you know, putting him to bed at, let's say, you know, 110. And if he wakes up at 110 in the morning, uh, really what happens to a T1D's blood sugar overnight, but being able mm -hmm. to get that every five minute update, uh, mm -hmm. that five minute sweep, mm -hmm. uh, you can really see what the blood sugar does overnight and react accordingly uh, to keep them, you know, from both going high or going low. So, I mean, I think that was a, uh, a really important piece of technology for us to incorporate to really help um, better care for Connor and, and really level his blood sugar. Yeah. I mean, I, it was for us at least, it was dramatic when we went to the CGM because I want to say like within a year, his A1C was down like two and a half points or something. Wow. Um, it wasn't, it, I felt like it gave us freedom to be bold because mm. we're like, you know, if his, we, we know see what's his, going on. Yeah, yeah, if we like, see his number going up, then we're okay to give him something knowing that if he's going to be with us or around us, you know, if we see him starting to turn and start going down, you know, we're there to treat it. Yeah, we're there to catch him. So um, I feel like it really gave us, you know, confidence and, I mean, just missing information that we had no idea we were missing. Yeah, it, is, it really is amazing to see all that data and then be able to use it because um, now you know what's happening and how your body is responding to certain foods or certain doses of insulin. Um, yeah, it's been been a game changer for me, and I know it's been a game changer for Dr. Garrett as well. And so, like, how early did you adopt the CGM? So you would have been uh, six or seven, seven-ish maybe, because I think yeah. you got it. We Oh, yeah, because we, we 
uh, got the prescription, I think in December and we started you up and running mm -hmm. during winter break. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, okay. Yeah. Uh, how did the first time go like having something sticking in you or and staying in you all the time? I did not take it well. <laughs> um, I eventually, the first one I did not like, and my brother, he, so we have these like seal things, like they're taped and we put on top of them. And my brother was in the room where we were putting our CGM on and he completely took off the tape and like stuck it all together. And my mom was like, <laughs> for him, because like, that was, because I was like, I was so new to putting it on and how to do it and getting it to stick. And I was like, are you serious? <laughs> we put it on and I was like, no. <laughs> and I limped around for the rest of the night. And then I went to bed and I could not find a comfortable position. And I woke up the next morning and I'm like, I feel great. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. That's awesome. We definitely went through, um, uh, you know, skin irritations, and he never had an adhesive allergy, but he developed one after about mm. six months on Dexcom. And I'll see things like that on, you know, social media and stuff every now and then. And I'm like, oh, been there, done that. It'll, it'll get better. But, you know, we do the whole flonase and um, on the skin. skin yeah. Mm. And so we've got like our own little system that seems to work pretty well. Um, but I swear sometimes it changes. It doesn't work. Yeah. It's like, like sometimes you'll have it, like everything's perfect. And then like three months later, yeah, three months later, something happens and that tape doesn't work anymore. Or, you know, and we'll start, we'll be on the hunt for something new. So. How was it interacting with, uh, your classmates, Connor, once you had that CGM just sticking out, um, you know, socially, was it, was it fun? Was it scary? How, how did that first interaction when you went back to school after winter break go? So my little squad of friends, they were like, is that a phone? Can you get games on it? I was like, no. <laughs> and I showed them what I did. They're like, oh, that's boring. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh man. But I remember when you taught your friends and made beeps and buzzes. And they oh. thought it was funny, so they changed all the settings on it. Oh, do you yeah. remember that? I'm sitting on the bus, and I was acting like people would call me, and I was uh -huh. like, <laughs> so he changed all this. So he like his low setting, like 150, and his high setting. And he comes home, and I'm like, what did you do? <laughs> now on medical device, nobody touches it. That's so funny. <laughs> kids are kids, right? Yeah. But Con I feel like Connor's been very good about being um, confident about wearing his robot parts. Mm. Um, he's a, a, a competitive swimmer during the summer, and he's been on swim teams since he was five, which mm. I joke about with, you know, other T1Ds uh, parents that I talked to that, like, had we known more, I don't know if we'd be throwing him in the pool, you know, a year into diagnosis and having him do laps with the team, but, <laughs> but and he's not, I mean, in a way he hasn't been swimming without it, but he's great. We'll go to swim meets and they'll be like all evening events and he'll have his, you know, his CGM on his arm and his uh, pump site on his belly and he'll have, and you know, all the, all the kids write things in Sharpie marker, like, you know, eat my bubbles and things like that. And Connor will have like cyborg on him and this is my pancreas and an arrow who is a pump site. And so it's, he's been, he's very confident about walking around in front of other kids with it. 
Um, and he'll get the questions there. I mean, I feel like everyone on your team knows what it is pretty much, but when we're a visitor's team, you know, uh, they'll, he'll get kind of weird questions like, what is that? And he'll be like, I got diabetes. <laughs> and they're like, okay. <laughs> you know, because kids don't need a lengthy discussion or answer. They're just like, mm -hmm. all right, and they move on. Yeah. <laughs> I think with, um, with both school and with swim team, it's been helpful, you know, that Elizabeth and I have both been strong advocates to help really normalize it, mm -hmm. that it's just a thing. It's not anything that- It's um, not me. It's not, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. just mm. a characteristic. It's not Connor. So, um, you know, to be able to have um, great coaches and teachers and school administrators and things like that, and having a, a veteran school nurse mm -hmm. really help show us the ropes and look out for Connor um, has been great, but, you know, parents of small kids that are T1D, you know, be good advocates for your kids. And it really helps normalize things. And uh, it, it's just makes it into a uh, really great experience for the kid. So yeah. And I'd say that anytime, you know, you have your I mean, we call them robot parts, but anytime you've got your, your Dexcom or your pump side out or in, you know, I mean, because like, it, to the summit this year, the JRF summit, he wore it on uh, the inside of his forearm. I mean, so everybody could see, you know, but of course, I wanted to we're in a room. Uh, like, what are the names? The work, like the, the volunteer, the volunteer. oh, the staff. The high, yeah, like the high and mighty workers that like own the JDR. <laughs> well, okay, they we're work still for working, the JDR. Yeah, we're still working on understanding how business works. He says <laughs> things like, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to buy Camp EDI. And I'm like, no, honey, it's, so not, it's not for sale. It's <laughs> <laughs> not for sale. You don't own it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But I think it's been really helpful because I feel like we've met so many other T1Ds or other connections mm. being in public with his robot parts out. You know, people will come up and be like, oh my goodness, are you type one? And we'll do the same thing. I mean, we joke about, you know, we'll be at Disney World and see a, a death on the floor. We'll like, There's more. Yeah, I will see a deck <laughs> Tom and he'll go running up to them. Hi! And he'll pull up his shirt. Do you see mine? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the T1D community is, I mean, it's definitely something to immerse yourself in. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, because both Grady and I kind of grew up when we, had, when we were diagnosed. We were in our, you know, junior high and we kind of didn't want to be involved in any kind of community. And so uh, that's something that is really awesome to hear about. So can you kind of explain like all the things you're involved in, you know, the summits, the camps, and just kind of talk a little bit more about it? So we did our first JRF walk last year, mm -hmm. and that was great. I recommend them. They're great. Um, we go to the JDRF summit a lot. We really like those. We get to meet a bunch of people. Met and, Dr. Donahoe there. Yeah, we met yeah. And for years, Connor always went to the kids' room at the summit. And this year he said, I don't want to go to the kids' room. Can I hang out with you guys and go to the lectures? And, and I had signed up to volunteer with the registration table. Awesome. And, I, and I said, <laughs> do you want to hang out with me or go at breakfast with Dad? He was like, no, I'll hang out with you. And he loved it so much. He was running up to the JDRF staff and saying, um, you know, next year I just want to run the registration table by myself. And they were like, you might need an adult there, Connor. Because <laughs> so he just loved, I mean, you love being around other T1Ds. Yeah. yeah. And then camp. Mm -hmm. Did you already mention that? No. Um, so Camp EDI, it's in Potosi, mm -hmm. right? It's at Trout Lodge, and it's literally 
diabetics from all over Missouri and I think a little bit from Illinois. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, They all just like come down. It's great. There's like arts and crafts and a bunch of fun stuff. And they have like even even health classes that you like, we call them classes, but like activities that you go to and you get to learn about like what are carbs, what do they do, all the fun stuff. That's great. Parents too, is it's put on by the ADA. So there's mm-hmm. the, uh, the diabetic summer camps. Um, the local one here in Missouri is Camp EDI, but they're all over the country mm-hmm. uh, all through the summer in you know, non-pandemic uh, summers. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but the great thing for parents is there is a very high ratio of uh, medical caregiver to T1D camper. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of endocrinologists, lots of nursing students, lots of nurses, uh, and, like and the, um, the counselors themselves, they historically what we've experienced is that there's two, uh, you know, teenager to early 20 something uh, year old counselors in every cabin. Mm-hmm. And one is a T1D and one is not a T1D. So if there is a issue with the T1D counselor, if there's a medical issue, there is a non T1D counselor on hand to care for the campers if that T1D counselor experiences a problem. So for us as parents, it gives us great comfort because we know that our, our child, uh, we know Connor's going to go have a fantastic summer camp experience like every kid um, you know, should be entitled to. And, um, and it gives us great peace of mind because we know that he's going to be well cared for. And again, uh, a camp with his peers and um, just have a create you know, lifetime memories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. How, how long are those uh, camps? There's, it's a one week long uh, for nine year old, nine years old and up. And they, for EDI specifically, they do a mini camp for seven and eight year olds. That is three days or four days. And so Connor, we started signing him up as soon as he was eligible at seven. Um, And it was actually the same camp that my sister had gone to. So I knew about it. And I remember we were sitting in the pediatrician, not the, the endocrinologist's office one day. And I said, oh, they've got an EDI brochure. And Brian was like, what? I was like, we got to get him to camp. And he was like, what? And I want to say at the time you were like five or six. And so, you know, you couldn't go that year. But um, literally from the minute he could start going, he was like, yes, I want to go. No, I won't be homesick. Goodbye. You can leave. And <laughs> so, you know, is, is this going to be like a tear situation? Oh, and the only tears he cries is when we pick him up. And he's like, don't pick me home. And we keep trying to explain to him, honey, they're not staying. They're not staying. <laughs> Once we leave, they all leave and they all go home. So, but I mean, it's just a fabulous time. And then, you know, year after year, the same friends come back and counselors. And yeah. so the relationships just build. And then you see them at events, you know, JDRF events and things like that. And you socialize with them outside of, so it's nice. I mean, immersing yourself in the T1D community. I mean, I just, I think it's so important. I mean, as parents to meet other T1D parents, because, you know, you have that instant connection and bond and they understand. And for the kids, you know, I hate to use the word, it makes them normal, but you know, they see it and they interact it and they, it just, it normalizes it. You know, I I Mm -hmm. just can't think of another way to say it. And it's fabulous experience. And then this year you signed up for JDRF. Oh, I'm a youth ambassador for the JRF Hope Gala. Oh, so, that's awesome. Cool. Doing that. And we've been, they've, so since it's now virtual, we've been sending in like a lot of videos so they can make like 
compilations and stuff and like we've been taking a lot of pictures so mm -hmm. yeah nice so what tell me what all does that entail like um being an ambassador and is that um mainly just you know advocating for diabetes or what kind of do you do with that we kind of like facilitate the gala and like throw conversation starters and stuff out there and like we make these baskets of like stuff that makes us us and so a lot of yeah you do a lot of fundraising but i think it's also you um you know you go through the interview process and everything remember when you had to apply mm, yeah. and um and i think they're really looking for kids that portray you know a positive outlook and and a confidence and um uh, and the other kids are all fabulous. I mean, when we, cause we got to go do a photo shoot and a commercial, uh, the kids got to all get together and do that. And was that back in January? I want to say so. yeah, before so. Corona. It was cold. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but it's been, it's been really neat, you know, and, and we think it's so important for Connor to, you know, own his, type one and to, you know, be comfortable with it and talk about it and, and interact with kids. And so he's been great with it. Yeah. And yeah. to his credit, he really does. I mean, he's, he's a great ambassador for T1D and, um, you know, really explains it well. And, um, again, if anybody ever wants to see, you know, an injection when he was on pens, um, be done a, uh, oh, a yeah. finger prick be done. I mean, he's like the best kind of, um, uh, he's like a guinea pig. I mean, like his yeah. friends would be over and they'd be like, show me that thing you do where you check your blood. And he'd be like, okay, let me get out my meter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and same with shots. They'd be like, Connor, are you getting a shot before we eat? Can I watch? And he's like, sure, I'm going to get it in my belly. And I mean, just, yeah, we've, we've been, you know, we hear the stories and we remember, you know, uh, it, my sister, you know, when you, she would only do shots like in the restroom or out of sight or things like that. And she would never check her blood in front of people. And, you know, she would check it, but just not in front of people. And, um, and I remember telling Brian very early on, I, I don't want him to be ashamed of this or, or, you know, not be comfortable with it. If somebody else is not comfortable with it, you know, they can. So, I mean, we just, we want him to be really, you know, open and, and I, I'm big about, especially with him in sports and um, obviously with school and stuff, when, you know, we make a new relationship, whether it's a coach or a teacher, I'm really big about, you know, this is my type one and this is what we got to do. And we got to make sure that, you know, if he's feeling low and, you know, I go in there and um, just, you know, try to educate them. them. Yeah, because I don't want Connor, you know, sitting in a corner drinking a juice box, feeling like he's, you know. The outcast. Yeah, I mean, if you've got to stop and do what you've got to do, do, you do what you gotta do yeah <laughs> so yeah that's 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 really great that you guys are so supportive and are advocating not only for connor but for a lot of other type 1 di diabetics um is there any other things that you as parents do um to advocate not only for connor but for type 1 diabetes um this year i signed up i'm an outreach volunteer with the jdrf so I've got three families, uh, newly diagnosed, like within a week or so of diagnosis, I matched up with them and uh, reach out to the parents and let them know, you know, I'm not a medical professional by any means, just a parent who's, you know, been there and done that. So um, I've done that and uh, 
now with everything with Corona and stuff, they're doing a lot of like Zoom calls with new families and stuff. And we just did one of those. Is that a couple weeks ago, Tom? That we did that? Two Mondays ago. Okay. And um, there was, you know, old old timers like us as well as um, a couple newly diagnosed families. And it's, um, it just always takes you back there when you meet a newly diagnosed family, you know, and I want to say, um, I can't remember what the little boy's name was, but weren't they only like five days in? Mm-hmm. Oh, and it just, it's like, it's like, you feel like you can't, at that point, you just have to let them know, you know, it's going to get better. And I'm here if you have any questions, but it's almost like you can't share words of wisdom yet because you're not five days in, you're it, not, yeah. yeah. Five days in, you're still in a fog. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 That, uh, that kind of reminds me of uh, a question I did want to ask earlier um, which is when you were in that early phase, and I'm assuming since Connor was only four, he didn't do his own shots. Um, but did you, was there like a place that either you or, you know, Connor preferred to have his injections at that age? I did almost, I would say 90% of your shots. I did them um, in his butt. Yeah. I just, it was just easy. It, the absorption, it was fleshy. It, it was pretty painless I think he would always say and um I had noticed it, it, early on Connor had um a phobia or like a fear remember about having him in the belly I think yeah. he had gotten a shot in his belly at camp or something and it hurt and he just felt like all of them were gonna hurt or I, I don't know what it was but I, but I remember he would be like no 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 but then he grew out of it because I remember we'd do road trips and I'd be like buddy I can't reach in the back seat and give you a shot you got to do this and you know it's easiest doing your belly and so <laughs> yeah so then he would reserve his stomach just for road trips it was really funny but um but yeah I did it there a lot the other thing I got nervous about was um and I can't think of what the word is but uh the when you give shots too many times in the same area and you kind of get that um oh you bruise it scar yeah the scar tissue build up and it kind of makes a lump and mm-hmm. I had noticed he was kind of getting that a little bit like um, towards his hips. Um, and so we just really concentrated. So my thought was, you know, if you get some scar tissue built up in your butt, I mean, the only person who's going to see it is somebody you're actually showing it to. You know, you're not going to see it at the <laughs> pool. You're not going to, you know what I mean? So I was like, mine as well. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, I mean, we'd be in restaurants and I just, I would always just sit on the same side of the table as him. And I'd be like, you know, just kind of put your back to me and I just give him a really quick Look over. <laughs> yeah, indiscreet one. And <laughs> it was, it was easy. So yeah. I, and you learned to do them in your thigh. I remember you had a big time. Remember yeah, at camp? I did that a couple times and I was like, yeah, I'm over this. <laughs> yeah. he's, you've got, he's got a buddy who's on swim team who's older than him. And I've watched him give himself shots in his calf and I wince when I see it. I'm like, oh, oh that's wow. But we've wow. never done that. I mean, we used to joke, you want me to do it between your toes? And he'd be like, can you be quiet, mom? And one person would say, like, oh, yeah, well, did I know? Yeah. Oh, that would hurt. <laughs> Yeah, we, we did, uh, and I was too, I was so, um, again, I'm a little anal retentive, but I was, I was too nervous to turn shots over to Connor, and the person who got him not only to give himself his own shots, but gave him, I mean, I don't want to say permission, but yeah, it was his school nurse, and she was fabulous. She was like, and I remember her calling me and being like, Elizabeth, he can do it. Let him do it. And I was like, are you sure? I don't know. And she's like, yeah, he's been doing it for the last two months. He's fine. She, would always, <laughs> she would always double check the dosage before he administered the insulin just to make sure that 
it was the correct dosage, mm-hmm. but then he physically administered the shot himself. Yeah. That's great. What age was that with, that he started? I want to say you were doing that in first grade. I think kindergarten, well, can you, in kindergarten, you only went half day, so you didn't eat lunch there. So you mm-hmm. really, the shots were random. Yeah. So every now and then, or if you went like really high or something, she would mm-hmm. give you a correction dose. So I want to say that was first grade. No, I think she did them for me for first grade. I think it was about third grade. Oh, yeah. She was like, I can't do this for you much longer. I was like, <laughs> well, what do I do? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so yeah, along those lines with hand re- handing the reins over to Connor, I know Connor's now 12, right? Mm. Uh, so are you now starting to hand more things off and is he taking more control now or how's that playing out right now? Yeah, he's definitely. And um, moving from elementary school to middle school was a big leap and uh, not just you know going from pens to the pump, but the other part of it was, is that they take just a completely different perspective on, yeah, but on care, you know, whereas in elementary school, he was going to see the nurse. And I go to the nurse. And I want to say you were seeing her maybe like five times a day. It was like, you know, when you got off the bus, visit her before the classroom. So she knew what number you were. You would, he would go see her before PE. He would go see her after PE, before lunch after recess and then before getting back on the bus to go home. So, you know, she had a very good uh, finger on the pulse of what he was doing. Um, but it was, it was, you know, it was, I don't want to say baby in you, but, I, it, but it was very tightly kept. Yeah, and then when he moved to middle school, I was like, so what's the schedule? When do you want to see him? And they were like, he's on his own. We'll see him if he gets alone. <laughs> we <were> like, <laughs> oh man. And at first it was kind of nervous. You know, it's kind of like nerve wracking, like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen to him? But we um, we set up for every single classroom. I put together boxes of um, juice boxes. Uh, so these little plastic totes and I put Connor's medical emergency um, on like a label on the front, filled them with juice boxes and had them in every single class, you know, English, mm-hmm. history, PE. And the deal was and with the CGM, obviously, he knew what his number was. And he was allowed to get up and get juice if he needed it. I mean, plus it would start beeping. So the teachers would be like, Connor, do you need your juice? And he'd be like, yeah, I think I do. I'd be in the middle of a math test and the Swiss would give me the look. And I'd be like, I know I'm getting off. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, the only, and they figured the nurses are really funny because Connor tends to run himself more lower than high. So um, the nurses figured out real quick when he was walking from gym to come see them to get a juice when he was 40 something, they were like, no, 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 We're going to set guidelines here, buddy, because that is not healthy or safe. Not okay. So now the only time you go to see the nurse, unless something odd happens, is you would go see her after PE, but before lunch, right? Yes. Yeah. And then and, after lunch. And then after lunch. And mm-hmm. But they were really... Uh, they were really big about getting him to take over. Um, he does his own carb counting now and, um, you know, stuff that the other, that his elementary school nurse did for him. Um, so he's taken a huge, I think, leap this year with taking care of himself. That's great. Yeah, that's amazing. Do you, do you like that, Connor? Do you like kind of taking control like that and counting your own carbs and just uh, have a little more freedom over in junior high? I like having control, but sometimes it feels like it's a bit much control. Mm. Like, one day they just handed me a sheet and it didn't have, like, say I got a fruit cup, it didn't have the fruit cup on it. And I was like, well, now what do I do? And they were like, estimate. And I was like, 
okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the thing we left out is Connor's big into eating in the school cafeteria because the school cafeteria went from like, you know, hamburgers and pizza to like gourmet salad and smoothie king and like all this stuff that he never had in elementary school. And I was like, that's fine, dude, you know, have that's at it. it. <laughs> yeah, have at it, but just make sure you remember everything you ate. So you can, you know, be calculating it. And he was, I mean, he's been amazing. I mean, you haven't been there since March, but. (laughs) But yeah. Since March. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of switching gears here a little bit. Um, Since, you know, Connor's really active, he does a lot of um, uh, activities. Where do you find is the most effective spots for his Dexacom and his pumps for um, staying on? Because I know uh, when I first got my pump, they would suggest, oh, you know, put it in your leg or put it on your butt. And the first time I did that, I went, I ran downstairs right after I did it and like jumped on the couch to watch some TV and it boom, popped right out right away. I'm like, well, that's the last time I ever used that spot. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but where have you guys found that's been really effective for him? I really like it on my, I like my pump site on my thigh. I like my CGM on my thigh. Um, I kind of like my CGM on my arm. I don't like my CGM on my stomach because I feel like it's going to fall off because I have too much, like, stomach area. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for years, we had we kept uh, Dexcom on his arm only. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was mainly because with swimming, we found out really quick that water is the enemy of adhesive. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we would use like Coban or uh, we buy the vet wrap stuff. Um, but the, uh, I mean, it's not tape, it's wrap, you know, and we would wrap, we would put on his Dexcom, put on the adhesive, put on an overlay patch and then wrap it. And um, when he hit the water, it would kind of tighten a little on its own um, and it would help keep it in place. Um, but then last summer, uh, we realized that his arms were just getting completely eaten up. So we've been really experimenting with where else we can put it um, and also get good readings because, you know, you do need for the CGM, at least you need, you know, kind of a fleshy area. So he's been, he's done his calf of both of his calves. You've done thighs. Um, We've done, we were doing your back for a while. Remember when uh, you were doing indoor swim? Oh yeah. We do like upper back. Yeah. He did his pecs. Um, but he wasn't, you weren't sure how you felt about that. You kind of stayed away from it, but then you came back to it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I always try to make him be the decision like maker. Yeah. yeah. But I like you to be the, like when he, when we know it's a site change, I'll say, yeah, cause I'll help him with his changes, but I'll say, okay, you know, where before you want it, it. yeah, where do you want it? Make sure you scrub that area when you're in the shower and get, you know, exfoliate it and everything. You know, okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I think he, and he gets, sometimes he decides he wants to try something really crazy, you know, like inner thigh or you did arm once for pump site, but he didn't like that with the tubing. He felt like he was snagging it on his clothes a lot. Um, yeah. But we can, but we do find that when we change it around a lot, I mean, and we're really good about rotating. We don't keep doing the same, I mean, whether it's, you know, side to side or up or down or um, we really, because we notice that the absorption can be much better, you know, as long as we stick to that. So. Mm-hmm. Well, awesome. And so now that you're kind of taking a little bit more control, um, what are some challenges that you're facing and how are you kind of learning or strategizing to overcome them? Uh, 
Probably treating lows. I over treat myself sometimes mm. because like I'm looking at like the carbs and I'm like, ooh, those look good. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You're not alone in that thought. <laughs> well, that's great. <laughs> And we also had a period where you were over-treating highs. Remember, you'd like oh, push yeah, a unit or two and put on like a 250 temp basil. And I'd be like, buddy, you essentially just pushed like four units over an hour and a half. So, <laughs> <nice>. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's really easy and, and sometimes fun to use your lows as a excuse just to go wild on some food that looks really good. So you're definitely not alone yeah. there, Cotter. <laughs> yeah. And how about you guys as parents, now that he's transitioning um, into taking more control, what are some challenges that you guys are facing and how are you kind of sh- planning to overcome those? I, I feel like um, when new things come up, we still are, you know, right there advocating for him. I mean, the thing I'm thinking about is in the beginning of the school year when um, he would leave PE and go to lunch and uh, he had to get in line with everybody else. Aww. And by the time he had, I was 50. <laughs> yeah, by the time he made it through line and sat down and had five minutes to eat, he was like, his blood sugar was like plummeting because he had come from gym. And so I, I remember, you know, I was talking to Connor. I was like, well, can you just bump to the front of the line? He's like, no, they won't let me do that. Well, can you do this? Really? And I was like, okay, let me see what I can do. So I contacted his nurses and I said, okay, how about this? How about if he gets to leave PE two minutes early, goes straight to the lunchroom, orders his food, you know, gets done eating, and then, because he has to leave early anyway to go back to the nurses to calculate his carbs and, you know, do his dose. Um, And they were like, okay, we have no problem with that. So Connor, like, was like, really? I can do that? And, I mean, he just thinks he's king of the lunchroom when he walks in and there's nobody else there. And he's so nice. And he walks (laughs) in back. And, of course, he's made friends with all the lunch ladies. Yeah. Back and he's like, hi, ladies, what do we have today? <laughs> so, um, he, he really does know how to sometimes work the system to his benefit with that. But I mean, it, but it's been working out. And, and the other thing is we can never anticipate what when he's going to eat because we never know because he can like look at the menu and he can be like, ooh, I think I want the orange chicken today. But he can walk in the lunchroom and he'll be like, that doesn't smell bad. Let me get a wrap. Yeah. So, you know, he'll change like on the spot and here at home, you know, we pre-dose and we give him a good 15, 20 minute run up depending on his number and things like that. So what we decided was, you know, and we actually figured this out, I think in elementary school was that um, he was always going to eat X amount of carbs, you know, even if it was a salad or um, a wrap, you know, and for him, you know, we always knew he was going to eat at least five units worth of food. So we have him dose himself five units, eat his lunch, and then he goes and figures out what his actual card count is. And from there, you know, if it was, minus you know. the 50. Yeah, carbs. minus the five you already did. So if mm-hmm. it's 7.2 units, you yeah, only give it 2.2. Yeah. So he, um, so, you know, finding those little things, you know, sometimes he'll come home with an issue or I'll like make comment like, gosh, you know, Con, I noticed this is going on with your number and he'll explain to me what's going on and we'll, you know, brainstorm That's together. Yeah. yeah. On what we can do to uh, get it done. And, and, and the times when he's like, I don't think I can do that. I'm like, let me make a phone call. And uh, I mean, I don't, and I always tell the nurses, listen, I don't want to be that parent that's calling you. And I gotta say, we really haven't spoken that much to the they're nurses like this year. They're like the chillest nurses. Yeah, they are very <laughs> back. And, and again, they have, is it four diabetics in the building? Me, Owen, Connor, 
I don't oh, think there's and then a the girl. two girls. Yeah, two girls, so five. Yeah, but still. So, and I, I just, I think that that's such a benefit to surround yourself with others. You know, not just because then the nurses know what they're doing, and you know, because I hear these stories from some newly diagnosed, and they're like, not only is he the only one in the school, but the nurses have never worked with one, and I'm like, oh gosh, that's got to be hard. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, they're pretty much like they know what they're doing. <laughs> Um, and so with that, that kind of brings up another question, uh, which is, I know since you have the Dexacom, um, a lot of times you can sync that with your phone and see the numbers on your phone. Um, do you have that synced up to your guys' phones? Yes, we do. We do. we do. And we never had it in elementary school. I mean, he had his receiver and when he was home, it was synced with all of our stuff, but we never felt the need to sync it at elementary school. And again, mainly because he was visiting the nurse you know, five times in the seven hours he was there. So, um, and they had, you know, complete, a complete handle on it. But with junior high, we've just felt way more, um, uh, I don't know, with comfortable, I guess, with having, um, with having him be able to relay the information back to us. I think also, um, you know, as you're kind of giving up some of that control and, Mm -hmm. you know, in elementary school, if he's making, you know, five trips, let's say, to the nurse's office during the day, and now he's got, you know, maybe one trip to the nurse's office, if he's got a specific question about how do I dose for this, here's my number, um, he can text Elizabeth or me um, during the day. He doesn't make a regular habit of Mm -hmm. it, but if Mm -hmm. he gets into a bind about treatment questions, he... um, we filled out what is the what is the five oh four yeah we actually didn't do one this year I know we thought we were going to do one and the nurses were like you know what tell us what you want to do and if we're fine with it you don't have to fill one out we were like okay <laughs> so yeah we Probably still I, I know we still don't have one for him so yeah parents can fill out a five oh four plan with their school district to allow for uh, like a um, a phone or an iPod or something Uh like that to be able to text their parents and be able to track their their numbers, their blood sugars. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that kind of gave us comfort that we were releasing some of the control of him being able to see the nurse five times a day and making some of these treatment decisions on his own that Mm -hmm. he could reach out to one of us if he had a question or a problem. Yeah, that's that's huge because I'm sure – it can be really stressful, especially when you can see maybe the number going down, you know, maybe yeah. checking it every now and then. And then you're like, I don't know what's happening. Is he all right? Is he getting the care that he needs? So um, that's great to hear that you can, you can have that access to him um, in the school. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been very nice. Yeah. And I think Connor even had to like tell me to stop because there was, um, I want to say in the beginning of the year, I'd like watch his number, whether it was going up or down. And I'd be texting him like, Hey, <laughs> you're 40. Did you get something? What did you get? And finally he came home and he was like, listen, you cannot contact me. <laughs> I'm allowed, even though I'm allowed to have my phone, I'm kind of not. not allowed to. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> hey, all right. I'm going to trust you on this. So now it's like only in like emergency situation. I'll send like a text and I'll be like, I know you're not going to respond, but you really need to eat something. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's pretty funny. I actually, that was the first reason why I got a cell phone back. I got a Motorola flip phone when I was first diagnosed for that exact reason. So uh, that's really cool that you can have that trust. And at the same time, you you really don't hear quite often like uh, a kid say, please don't text me or I don't want to use my phone. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, Connor's definitely a rule follower. So he doesn't like when the teacher's like, Connor, what are you doing? Well, like, I was in math one time and I was like looking through your text. I was like, what did she do? <laughs> no, and then this person came up behind me and she was like, what we looking at? And I was like, my mom texted me. <laughs> Yeah, uh, has it changed your guys' viewpoint on parenting now that you've, you know, had so many years with um, work with Connor as a diabetic and because you have other kids as well, um, correct? Yes, we've got a younger son who's 10 years old and um, it's definitely, I feel like, yes, it definitely, we parent them different, but I kind of feel like even if Connor didn't have type one, I feel like we would parent them different. Because I think the thing that nobody tells you when you have a second child is that that second child is not going to be a carbon copy of your first. And I think Brian and I were shocked when we brought home our, our younger son, Trevor, and we were like, well, why is he doing this? Connor never did that. <laughs> you know, and they're, they're literally their night and day, you know, um, and which is good. You don't want them to be, you know, identical, right. but but it was just kind of shocking to us. But, but you know, I think kids just need different things. But Connor, and, and I hear other parents say this a lot too of type ones. Um, I feel like your type ones are always more mature and like, you know, it, it helps that he's the older brother, but um, you know, because they're given so much responsibility and so much pressure and so much, you know, to take care of themselves and they can't take it lightly and they've got to, you know, take it seriously if it's a low or, you know, if something's going on. and. Um, so I feel like as much as we, you know, uh, parent him and, and have an idea of what's going on, you know, 24 seven with him, I feel like we also give him a ton of rain. Yeah. Mm. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and Khan's really funny. Khan's that kid who literally signs up for everything and he will come home and be like, <laughs> he'll be like, Hey mom, I signed up for a 5k run. And I'm like, excuse me. And when is this? And how am I supposed to, and I'm not going to be there. So how are we going to, you know, it's going to work. Yeah. And it, it just, you know, when he signed up for the musical at school and oh, I signed up for the fall play and we were going on a trip in the fall and I was like, oh, sorry, you can't do that. And I was like, well, why not? And she was like, we're out of town on yeah. that date. And I was like, oh, great. But he literally, he'll sign up for everything. And there's times where I'm like, oh, that'll be fun for him. And then there's other times where my initial reaction will be, no, you can't do that. If you go low on stage, you can't stop the production and drink a juice box and this isn't going to work. And, you know, it's that parent in you that like wants to make sure mm -hmm. they're safe all the time. And then you have to mm -hmm. take a step back and be like, okay, we can do this. We just have to prepare and mm -hmm. make sure you've got a kit backstage and you don't step on the stage unless you're over 130, you know, if it's a dance number or something. So, I mean, like, I feel like he likes to throw obstacles at us that we don't prepare for, but we have to you know, kind of catch the ball and think on our feet and throw it back at him. So, yeah. The most complex game of dodgeball. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it's different parenting the two. And the other thing we found, and again, I, I being a sibling of a type one, I do not remember this at all. Um, our younger son for years was jealous, so jealous of Connor's diabetes, right? Yes. Well, oh, wow. And snacks. I know. I think that was it. It was the extra snacks. But I mean, he would say things when he was really little. He'd be like, I want to get type one. And he'd be like, no, Trevor. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think he's kind of grown out of that now. But, um, but it's, it's, 
it's weird, you know, and I, and I kind of, whenever I meet new parents and they're like, you know, give me all the advice, like part of me kind of wants to throw in there, you know, and be careful how, you know, treat them, don't treat them too different. But I feel like it's hard not to because they're two different people, even if you take type one out of it. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. And so like, do you notice Connor, do you, well, I guess I should ask first, do you get nervous, you know, like going on stage or before a performance? And do you notice if your blood sugar reacts to that? So we put a box backstage and like, if I was, if I started going down while I was on stage, I would like finish the dance number, run to the little maintenance room, grab a juice, chug it and get ready to go back on because Hairspray was like a quick musical and you had to be like on top of it. And you had costume changes. Yeah, I had, mm. yeah. It was, yeah. It was an, it was an, I was gonna say trip, but I don't know if it's an experience. I don't know. <laughs> the trip was went up with like, as you got excited. Oh yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we noticed that um, a couple of years ago because Connor, uh, for some reason enjoys public speaking, which we think is very interesting. And he signed up to MC uh, the variety show in elementary school when he was in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And uh, we noticed that as the adrenaline would start pumping and when he would get kind of like, you know, not nervous, but he'd be getting excited about getting on stage, we'd see his number just start climbing. And I'd be like, mm-hmm. why is he doing that? He hasn't had dinner yet. What's going on? And, and we realized <laughs> really quick between that and, uh, like when you emceed the Special Olympics and oh that was great yeah and uh, Veterans Day and ever and it was just like we could almost like set a clock to it you know he'd be like perfect and he'd get on stage and be like welcome and all of a sudden it'd be like you know this graph going hey, up I'm and, here yeah <laughs> but yeah but we feel like when things like that happen we feel like we don't want to we don't want to take the time um, stressing about the number. Mm. Uh, and take the experience away from Connor. Mm-hmm. So even though, you know, we strive to keep him in range, you know, and on a normal day, it's a Saturday and we're home and, you know, uh, we feel like on those days, you know, we kind of just let him have the time and the specialness and not stress about it. Yeah. Wow. I think it's, that's an amazing approach and it definitely sounds like Connor and you guys as a whole family haven't limited what, you can and can't do because diabetes, as you all know, is a lifetime of, of numbers. It's not just one number. And to uh, shy away from an event or to do something or to stop something in the middle of it just because you're you're upset or scared about the numbers gonna what it's gonna do is um, almost not the appropriate thing to do in terms of living life to the fullest. So I think that's a great approach that you guys have because. Uh, it definitely sounds like, Connor, you have done a lot so far and definitely not have allowed your diabetes to get in the way, which is just really amazing. It warms my heart to hear uh, all your stories that you've been sharing so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dr. Pano, that's a, sorry to interrupt. I, I think that's a good point you brought up is that, you know, if you've got a high number or a low number, it's just a number. It's just something that you have to respond to with either insulin or food or drink or something like that. It's not anything that, you know, he deliberately did or you just have to address it as um, as a high or a low and just address it and move on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and what I find funny sometimes with us is um, we'll try like a, not so much a new food, but maybe like a different variation or something like that. And he'll have a number go high and Connor will say his initial reaction is, well, I'm never eating that again. 
And I'm like, no, actually you are. You're eating it tomorrow because I'm going to figure this out. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's awesome. But we did that um, when our spring break vacation got canceled this year because of COVID. I told my husband, I told Brian, yeah, I told Brian, I said, we're going to have to do a bunch of special things at home. And I said, what's really special and we would never do? What could we do? And Brian was like, I don't know, donuts every day for breakfast? I was like, done, we're going to do that. Oh, wow. (laughs) It was really, it was like, every morning morning you start off like perfect and then he was just, and I was like, no, I refuse to give up. So we were like, you know, we had like these ratios figured out and I'd write down mm-hmm. the type of donut he picked versus what we pushed. And by mm-hmm. like the fifth day, we had it totally fine tuned. And then the and donut then stores, no, the donut stores closed. Remember? Oh, <laughs> and Connor was like, what donut am I getting along? And I was like, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But I, but I feel like, I mean, my initial, but when he says those things like, you know, well, I'm never going to eat, you know, Papa John's pizza again because it makes me go high. I'm like, no, no. Like, Sorry, no. I'm like, no, it makes you go high because we don't have it figured out yet. We're going to figure it out. So, mm. and, and again, we don't eat that, you know, every day or all the time, but right. we're going to get two days in a row until we figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which for you, Connor, I'm sure you're never upset about that. <laughs> no, I love Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a really awesome approach. I actually it took me a long time to kind of have that mentality because there's a book called My Diabetes Science Experiment. And that's kind of what inspired me to try to eat lots of food of the same food to figure it out. And once you figure out those ratios and that formula, you feel like you're on top of the world. And I still brag to like my non diabetic friends, like I have a perfect formula for pizza and they don't care. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I was even telling Brian the other day, I was like, you know, the other thing that that always surprises me is how each diabetic has uh, a different tolerance, you know, for food and everybody reacts different. You know, you could Mm -hmm. feed the same diabetics the same food and the same dosage and they're going to react totally different. And, uh, you know, you just don't know what those foods are that are going to, you know, send them like forever popcorn. We couldn't Mm -hmm. figure out dosing Mm -hmm. popcorn. And I was like, it's popcorn. It's a grain. We can figure this out. I mean, it was like crazy. And, um, but yeah, it's just weird things like that. Yeah. Yeah, And even with like, within that same diabetic that changes over time because of, you know, growth or activity or whatever's going on in their life. Um, so it's a continual challenge and, um, a game, I guess you can play, um, with that. (laughs) <laughs> That's the fun new variable we're encountering now. So Connor in the last year or so has grown about, I don't know, four inches or so. Oh, so yeah. he's going through periods of growth spurts and stops. And uh, so, you know, as those hormones are released and things like that, he starts to grow. That certainly affects uh, how his insulin is metabolized as well. So, you know, and, and you might have a week or two of, you know, active growth. And then all of a sudden it's like a light switch that goes off and it, yes. his insulin needs totally change overnight. And we're tanking it. And Elizabeth and I are talking to each other like, what happened? That totally worked <laughs> yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We crashed him today. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really crazy. Wow. One question I wanted uh, to get from you guys, cause it's kind of a fun question. Um, it's kind of for both of you or for both groups um, but Connor, what, what, what is something that you wish people who don't have diabetes, you wish they could understand or they could learn about diabetes that would help them relate to you more? 
how my lows feel. I like I want more people to like realize what they feel like because I'm like trying to describe them and she's like, I don't get what that means. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, well, have you ever had what was that spray thing that we put in the mouth for the cough? The chloroceptor? Yes. Oh, and it numbed your tongue. Yeah, that was what it was. Okay. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Cause, yeah, because yeah, his symptoms, he can, if he's got a real, real bad low, your tongue actually tingles, mm-hmm. right? And um, the pins and needles, and, you know, he'll stop talking. And, um, you know, it's almost like, I mean, we're not trying to be funny, but it's almost like you're kind of drunk because he'll be, like, slurring his words. And, mm-hmm. you know, he can't, like, pick up his feet. You know, he'll be like kind of like not stomping, Stomping. but like shut. I mean, yeah, yeah. But what's also interesting with that is even though we don't know what it feels like, it amazes me how your close friends can recognize your lows now. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, because I know dad and I, you'll do something that the minute you say it or do it, it's like a trigger and we're like, he's going low. And like to now hear your friends be able to you know, look at you and go, con. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really cool to me. That is awesome. Uh, what about you guys? What, what is something that you would like other parents to know, or just other people in general to know uh, more about type one? I would say, I think that, um, one of the thing that's always kind of a pet peeve of Elizabeth and I is, um, people not really being able to relate to Connor as a T1D, they'll might say, Oh, my grandfather was diabetic. Oh. Totally get it. Completely get it. Or how about, the, how about the friend who said my cat was diabetic and we had to put her down. <laughs> oh my goodness. What a thing to say. Put you down, buddy. I'm going to die. <laughs> so I, I think just that, um, that distinction between, between type 1 and type 2 diabetes and uh, not really understanding the differences between the two. Yes. And... Uh, not really having the ability to relate to a T1D just because they've had experience, firsthand experience with a, um, maybe an adult or a grandparent with diabetes in their life as well. Yeah. And to- and I completely, even though I said I would, but I completely agree with you because, but, but mainly because I feel like, and it's, it's wrong. I know that, but I feel like there's such a stigma in our society about type two. And I feel like I can almost kind of like see some of the looks, you know what I mean? Like when, Connor's introduced as a type one for the people who don't understand, like, what did you feed him? You know, or, or what did you do? Or does right. he have, you know, and it, and it's, this time. yeah. Tell and, me about it. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, it's, yes, for you, we do believe it to be genetic, but um, it's not anything that you did or we did or, mm-hmm. you know, or the other people that are type ones and, um, and then, like, you know, we'll get the, we'll be at birthday parties, or he'll be at birthday parties, I guess. And more so when you were younger. And some of the moms would be like, well, I know my grandpa can't eat this cake, so should I not give any to Connor? And I'm like, I want to see you not try to give some to Connor. Because <laughs> that will be a sign. We'll take you out. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I agree. I, there's days where I just wish it was called something different, you know, mm. just so that people knew, you know, like, even if it's like literally my pancreas broke and I got the sugars. I mean, just something that, you know, it would just it would help me. <laughs> yeah. But um, I don't know. But the other thing that, that really completely blows my mind is um, I know that uh, 
it can be a really sore subject with the diabetic memes. But this one, seriously, will like spend hours looking at diabetic memes and yeah. laugh to himself for hours. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, they're great. And I'm like, yeah. Is it really that? And he's like, no, this is really funny, mom. And I'm like, mm -hmm. it's not getting involved. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh yeah there's some great ones out there what's the who's out will ferrell the will ferrell one where he's looking at himself kind of and it's like when you meet another diabetic is the insulin oh from step brothers yeah when the two diabetics meet they're instant best friends yeah Yep. Yeah, you guys kind of um, answered a little bit there, but uh, Great and I always love asking the question, you know, like, what bursts my beta cells? And so, you know, kind of like what grinds my gears. And you guys kind of already talked about a little bit about the difference between type 1 and type 2, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, is there anything else that just, like, really bursts your beta cells, whether it be, you know, just how you wish things could be different or, or whatever else? I hate it when the kids are like, what would happen if you pushed 50 units? I would, I'm like, I would die. <laughs> yeah, but they're, yeah, I know. And part of me feels like, you know, they're kids and they think they're funny, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we never experiment that, right? Oh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, don't scare me like that. Yeah, I wish, um, I guess, uh, I think, you know, as more rules and regulations come into play, I wish, um, there was some kind of way, like whether it was a luggage tag or something like when you go into stadiums, you know, and we're bringing in his juices or we fly on airplanes and we've never been denied for anything. But um, mm -hmm. I just kind of wish it was more. I mean, I guess it's just education, you know, for but um, I feel like we, you know, always prepare for battle whenever we have to go somewhere where things aren't necessarily you know, like even if it's like Six Flags, you know, and you've yeah. got all the excuses, you know, shoved in the backpack and security has to look through it and they're like, oh, we don't allow outside food. And, you know, it's got to be, you know, no, no, he's type one. Those are his, you know, emergency. And they're like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. you know. We always find a way to get it done. It's yeah. just kind of researching like what the airlines will allow, for example, so that you can kind of circumvent the rules of, you know, not having more than three ounces of fluid um, mm -hmm. in a sandwich-sized bag, for example. So there are ways to do it where you can put a medical tag and have them inspect the, the juice and things like that. And having, like, clear containers of juice with, like, the Capri Sun that's got, like, the clear bottom on it, things like that, mm -hmm. that will help them make it easier to get through screening at TSA at airports and things like mm -hmm. that. But um, there's a way, and, you know, chances are someone has done it before you successfully. So you can mm -hmm. find just about any type of hack like that on the internet to get mm -hmm. good advice on how to, mm -hmm. you know, go into a stadium and take juice with you or go and, you know, travel through TSA at the airport and take juice with you. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's lots of good ways. Uh, there, there's good sharing of information out there. People mm -hmm. are Absolutely. And then what is something that you guys are looking forward to, whether it be diabetes related or not, you know, just something that as, you know, Connor, you're 12 years old, you're looking forward to, and as his parents, you guys are looking forward to do something together. Uh, Cause I think, you know, being diabetic, we tie this identity, but sometimes we need to just remember that we're also just people too. I'm really excited to set up the 
to close the loop on the T-slim. We're mm. going to work on that pretty soon. Yeah, we uh, we got our prescription and we we're all set up for training and then COVID kind of hit and I've been kind of putting it off. So yeah, mm. I even was telling him today that um, we'll definitely work on that as soon as school's over this week. Yeah, I'm excited about all of the new um, research and technology that's out there. Mm. Um, uh, not so much, I mean, I, I, I don't want to be a pessimist and say that there's not going to be a cure in our lifetime, but okay. <laughs> but, um, but I do think that, you know, the technology is amazing. You know, and when I hear like about, um, I, I know I had posted it, I was showing you, uh, there was Brian, the, uh, the patch. Yeah. Encapsulation. It gets me very excited, but the patch that they had for boot gun, where we're supposed to be like a smart patch and it looked like a nicorette or a nicotine patch. And the idea was if you go low, it like releases glucagon into your body. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, without actually having to eat something or take a shot or, you know, do the, or even, you know, I always say it wrong. What is it? The squeamy? Oh, Best. Yeah. But the inhaled. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's just so many new technologies and therapies and that gets me excited because with each one, it improves you know, delivery systems and improves it the rate of insulin. Yeah, itself. and it just, and it makes your life easier, mm -hmm. you know? And when your life's easier, I feel like our life's easier. And um, I, that just makes me, you know, super happy. And yeah, the new technologies, the new therapies, um, Apple has reportedly filed for a patent on the Apple Watch to be able to uh, provide real-time blood glucose. Um, oh measuring so i mean just to kind of see what the new technologies and new therapies are going to or be. like that ever since uh cgm that's already out but it's not approved for children the one that they implant under your skin and it lasts for 90 days i mean could you imagine not doing a dexcom change from three months i mean that's amazing although wow. i just don't scarring that leaves that that's the only thing that has me nervous <laughs> your poor little body's gonna have all these little scars all over them. but yeah i mean <laughs> like the technologies are amazing very cool very cool. Yeah. So thank you guys very much. Um, I think it goes without saying, but you guys are a really awesome family. Um, Connor, you have really awesome parents and uh, Brian and Elizabeth, you have a really awesome son. So thank you guys very much for sitting down and talking with us. Thank you. We had thank fun. You. Thank you guys for having us. We really enjoyed it. And thank you guys for being such great mentors and leaders in the T1D community. We really appreciate it. And uh, really appreciate you guys, you know, sharing your experiences and bringing new voices uh, to the T1D experience. We really appreciate it. Yep. Thank you for saying that. And uh, that's, that's all, folks. We're going to head out on this one. Thank you guys for listening. And we'll catch you on the next one. so much for listening to today's episode if you found value in today's conversation we would appreciate it if you gave a five-star review it really helps us branch out our community and get our message across to those who really need to hear it if you want to interact with us on social media you can follow us on the die buddies podcast on facebook twitter and instagram or if you have any questions comments concerns or moral outrages you can email us at the die buddies podcast at gmail.com thanks